Hi there, my name is Alex Faust, and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week, we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today on this week's uh, edition of Conversations at the Edge. I do want to do a quick introduction of Lance if you're not already familiar with him. He has quite an impressive resume. He is the world's foremost authority on inspirational leadership and ranked as the fourth fourth most influential leadership coach in the world. He's uh, had firsthand leadership experience as a former CEO of a Fortune 100 company, Uh, Also was a university professor, an award-winning columnist, a poet, an author, outdoor athlete, an advisor advisor and coach to leaders around the world. He is the author of 21 books, and his latest book is The Bellwether Effect, which is what we're going to be talking about today. I want to jump right into it and start talking about The Bellwether Effect. Um, You have shared in, in the book and in the learning suite that there's really a massive gap between what the CEO thinks is going on in the organization and then what the employees are experiencing. So you can you shed some light into why that that's happening? Well, I, I think there's a long history of this and it's complicated, but fundamentally leaders at the very top of organizations don't really understand what's happening lower down in the organization. So another study I just saw yesterday Uh, from the Sloan Review says that there is simply no correlation, not even a small piece, between a company's value statements and the values they actually So that gives you an example of what I've called dissonance. So there's a gap between what leaders think is happening and and what they say, and on the one hand, and what actually happens in the organization. And is that true in organizations of all sizes, or is that, you know, more so true in larger organizations? I think it's true pretty well everywhere. Uh, Just that the space between the leader and the employees is shorter or smaller in the smaller companies, and there's more layers in the bigger companies, but that just amplifies the problem. Yeah, we had a a pretty great internal conversation. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Denise Leon and her fusion formula. She talks a lot about the fusion between culture and values and how if they're not merged together, oftentimes you have a, a huge disconnect from what you know employees are seeing and doing and what customers are experiencing and doing. It sounds like there's a, a lot of synergy there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I want, you know, in, in, the, in the course, you talk about really making a shift from fear-based leadership um, to love. And it was interesting what you said about the words, you know, that describe good leaders versus, versus words that describe good relationship builders. And for those who haven't seen it, some of the words that um, you pointed out were visionary, great at building teams, motivational, uh, good decision makers. Those are words that describe um, good leaders versus intimacy, vulnerability, love, fun. Those are words that describe people who are great at building relationships. And um, I'm, I'm curious, do you think that today in this new, uh, new normal that we're experiencing, we're bridging a gap between um, the, the you that goes to work and the you that shows up at home? Uh, or you still think that we see this big disconnect 
and how people are showing up. Yeah, I think there's a disconnect because I think we've got this warped kind of view that there is a different way to behave and live inside a corporate world than there is, for example, at home. And I would propose that it doesn't really work that way. I, I don't get up in the morning and say, goodbye, honey, I'm going to work now. I'm going to be a visionary and decisive and a team builder and uh, strategic. And uh, hi, honey, honey, I'm home now. I'm going to be intimate, vulnerable, passionate, fun, and playful. I mean, this is we can't live that way. We clearly want to take the keys to building powerful and strong relationships, like a marriage, and bring them to work. It's the same thing. We're human beings. We need to connect the same way, just different roles, but the mechanics of how we connect with human beings are the same. What are some of the... Um the challenges that people face kind of in, in bridging that gap or, or being the same in, in both areas of their lives? Well, Alex, it's very difficult for us to say, for instance, if I said to you right now, Alex, I love you, you'd probably fall off a chair or think I was weird or I just came from California or something strange. So, you know, it's, it's, it's so odd that we just can't do that. What's the matter with us? And I don't mean that we need to say this in a phony artificial way or some new agey way or anything like that. But honestly, when we're in a powerful team connection where there's a group of people that are powerfully working together and building great things together, this is a team that loves each other. We can't get there any other way. Why can't we say that? What's the problem? So I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, You are anti-engagement survey, anti-employee performance review. Tell us why this is such a staple of, you know, many organizations. Tell us why you think that they have no place in modern organizations. Well, let's start here. Uh, Every speech I make, especially pre-COVID, I'm not making so many speeches anymore, at least not live ones. um, I ask this question. What proportion of the population do you think would give up their day jobs if they had a free choice? And I start by saying, do you think it would be 50%? Because I don't want to lead the conversation too much. And immediately somebody will say, no, it's 60%. Somebody will say, no, it's 70. Somebody will say, no, it's 80. And that's where we end up every single time, 80. And actually, that is the proven research number. 80% of the population would give up their day jobs if they had a free choice. Now, think about this. We spend $170 billion a year on leadership development. We've got 240,000 books on leadership on Amazon.com. Leadership is broken everywhere, and people would leave the corporate life if they possibly could. Do you think that's a statement of success or failure? So why have we failed so badly? And the bellwether effect points out that we do eight things. There are probably 108, but we do eight big things that are simply demoralizing people. And two of them are engagement surveys and performance appraisals. And let's just, we can deal with both of them, but let's take performance appraisals. Complete and total boondoggle for the companies that manufacture this stuff, absolutely useless, makes no impact whatsoever. And 80% of people who have a performance appraisal have a reduction in their performance immediately after the performance appraisal. There's nobody on the planet that likes performance appraisals, not the people who have them done to them, nor the people who do them. And let me start here. If I were to sit down with, I have the $64,000 question, would you do this with your spouse? 
Would you sit down with your spouse and say, hi, honey, it's that time of the year. We're going to talk a little bit about your key performance indicators, your budget, and uh, we do a small 360 survey to see how people think about you, do a little mapping out for the year ahead, and so on. You wouldn't get two words out of your mouth. You'd be walking backwards out the front door, and you probably wouldn't be let in until you said sorry. So if you didn't do that at home, why? Because it's demeaning, it is insulting, it is cynical, it is critical and judgmental, all of the things you don't want to do in a relationship. But if you want to do it at home, why don't you do it at work? Yeah. And so I, I guess the question becomes, and I know this is kind of leading into my next question. Um, you talk about these leading indicators for future success and what you think is a better method. Um, but if we're not going through a traditional performance review, is there a place for looking at, you know, your team's KPIs, priorities, goals, how you're progressing towards, you know, annual plans, et cetera? And what's a better format uh, if not through, you know, monthly or quarterly pr uh, performance reviews? Well, I think this is a good example of how we have one way of thinking at home and an entirely different way of thinking at work. How would you do this at home? If you want your spouse to buy a house or uh, cook a meal or uh, garden or uh, fix a fuse or whatever, do you use KPIs? Do you use goals and times and so on? Or what? I mean, what is the system we use? We use inspiration. We use love. We use tenderness. We ask a lot of questions. We, we provide support. All of those things are how we would achieve it in the workplace as well. So. People who are inspired at work don't need KPIs. They do whatever it takes to get there. One of the things I've argued for in that book is that we need to have a dream in every organization, not mission, vision, and value statements. None of that works. And that's obsolete thinking as well. Great organizations have a dream. And people get up in the morning, going to work, saying, I work for a place that has a dream. I work for Starbucks. The dream of Starbucks is to create the third place. I work for Microsoft. The dream of Microsoft is to help every individual and every person on the planet achieve more. I work for Humana, Inc. Humana's dream is to help people achieve lifelong well-being. I up in the morning, go to work for those companies. All of those are clients of mine. And I help them every day, if I were to work there, achieve their dream. What does it take? I'll do whatever it takes. I don't need a KPI. Tell me what we're looking for, or I'll tell you because I'm creative too. And together we'll achieve that dream. But if there's one thing that you want the community to take away from our conversation today, what would that be? Well, I think we've talked about this already. I think what we need to do is get over our inhibitions and the feeling that people are going to be critical about us or judgmental about us if we are inspiring as opposed to motivational. And also if we genuinely share our love with others. What's the point of going through life as a robot with no emotion or not loving the people that you're with or even the work that you do? And a lot of people don't love the work they do. So it's a crucial thing. You know, the number one human need is to love and be loved. The number two human need is to inspire and be inspired. So don't you think we should do both of those? That would be the most important thing we could do. If you, I often say to new clients, you are really, really successful at what you do. 
Imagine where you would be if everybody in this company was inspired. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.